Brandon. Hey, Alan. Uh, welcome to Dice Over Everything. So, we've been playing a lot of miniatures games lately, but not so many board games. Yeah, I kind of miss, miss them, actually. Yeah. So I actually started working on one. Oh, really? Yeah, the one... Yeah. Reworking on it? Okay. Yes, reworking on, on, on uh, a design I had before. Okay. Well, they are much easier to make than miniatures games, because, I mean, there's way less there. Yeah. But, I mean, what do you think actually makes the difference, though, between a board game and a miniature game? Because what you're working on right now, you'd call a board game? Yeah, well, a card game. But oh, okay. that's the other thing. A card game, I think, is in the same kind of realm as a board game. And what I would think is the difference between a miniature and a board game, especially nowadays, considering a lot of board games have miniatures. Why mm -hmm. is there two different kind of groups? So I think it may be one defining line might be that the board game can come in a single box, and you're just like, here's the game, you can play it. I mean, there can be expansions for board games, totally. Yeah. But I would declare like the card game or the board game to be like a single box game. I think it has more to do with a historical nature. Okay, the history of like having to, how you um, move around the board, or what yeah, would you say? of what the kind of games are. So it's like their lineage. I think it has more to do with uh, historical. Well, sorry, uh, board, uh, miniature games are from the war gaming uh, lineage that goes down to war games that people used to play with play toy soldiers. With, okay, uh, toy soldiers like people. Apparently, it started out in the army. And people would have these super elaborate boards about planning. I don't, I don't know who they would. I think it was, I think it was Russian. And then they started putting out all these things, and, they, and you have a what do you call it? A board game, uh, yeah, sorry, game master. And they would say, "I'm going to do this tactic." One guy would say, "I'm doing this tactic." And the other guy would say, "I'm doing this tactic." And then the other guy would, and then the guy in the middle, the judge, would decide who would win. Yeah, would have like yeah basically. Um, and so they have that lineage, as that kind of grew up and went through a whole bunch of different rules iterations, and I think that's, if you come from that lineage, mm -hmm. uh, you're a miniatures game. So I guess the game reaches a complexity where if you don't have a giant rule book, it basically needs a judge. Yeah. <laughs> or you, or you <laughs> yeah. just have to come up with the rules on the fly, because it's so complicated. Okay, uh, Yeah, that. and it has to revolve, I think, around war, mm -hmm. right? Like a war game for miniatures, even... Yeah, for miniatures games. Some sort of combat between these people. Whereas board games, I think the tradition comes from like games like Monopoly and uh, Snakes and Ladders and those kind of things. Okay. So a lot of times abstract things that kind of grew up through that. And so... Um, so just simple things like checkers almost and chess, but then yeah. put on the boards but in different forms and possibly like taken from card games as well. Yeah, and I think card games, the reason why oftentimes we'll lump them in is because they kind of come from the same lineage about at least how people think of them. Like, when, you're, when, you're, when we were young, we would think of Monopoly and we'd think of uh, as, a, as a viable alternative to playing, uh, playing know, cards or yeah, playing, playing cards like Big Two or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Well, not Monopoly, because yep. nobody likes Monopoly, but Risk or something like that. Even though technically Risk is a whole bunch of miniatures on a board that you're playing. Right, um, but it all fits cleanly on one board. You never mm -hmm. sort of, you never expand what goes into the game. The rules are very clear, and they're maybe shorter as well. You'd say. I I really think it's about the lineage, mm -hmm. honestly. So I don't think it's necessarily. I think that's why things are getting. I think that those those things you're saying are defining what that lineage 
uh, creates in the games. Yep. I wonder if it's more though about uh, how did people come to think about the games like as a, a simulation of so a war game is is it, it, because of its lineage it comes as a simulation of an actual battle right you're moving guys on a board and this this board simulates the full like actual terrain that your your mock armies are running on and then each guys are actually simulating people whereas board games oftentimes they came from uh, a high level of, of abstraction something like chess is ostensibly supposed to be a war game or at least some sort of area control or some game like go is like an area control battle right battle over uh territory territory abstracted exactly abstracted is like crazy level right mm -hmm. And so even Monopoly and all these kind of things, that to me is what makes those games the same, I guess, as, as I don't know, like fully abstract games like Big Two, which makes no sense. As, it's not you, modeling anything. You have it's poker hands, you have yeah. all that in that game. And it's not yeah. really about, it's just about like each hand, why it's one more valuable than the other. Well, it's an entire abstraction. Yeah. But going back to risk, I guess risk might sort of come close to the line. Mm -hmm. of being the abstraction versus the non-abstraction, because when you come down to your armies, it's simply like a matter of numbers, one side versus the other. Mm -hmm. You have territories. But then I guess you were saying about trying to model terrain mm -hmm. is more of a war game thing. So I guess once you go beyond the pure abstraction, just like the numbers on one side versus mm -hmm. the numbers on the other side, so you'd say that to be a miniatures game, it's got to go beyond just being numbers versus numbers. It's got to I feel like it has to be a more. miniature... It has to be a miniature battlefield. Mm -hmm. It can't just be the miniature people that are representing the actual guys. It has to be yep. miniature people on a miniature battlefield. So visually, it's got to start representing the battle yes. that's going on. Whereas in Risk, just having numbers essentially Even represented though, by tokens yeah. on each side isn't close enough to being a representative of a battle. Yeah, yeah I think so. Okay. I think, I guess, I guess actually technically some war games are token-based, right? Yep, and 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 like you said, there's it's not like clear one or the other, right? Where uh, so there's a lot of games that straddle that line where you're like, where people are, are wondering, is this war game, a miniatures mm -hmm. game? I guess miniature game obviously has to have miniatures. Because there's right? a whole bunch of mint, well, you might call them miniatures games out there, mm -hmm. where they're played on a single board. They're not played on open terrain, and the board isn't modeled that closely to a battlefield. Like, say, maybe Shadespire for one that's come out recently, mm -hmm. or possibly going to Aristea if you like Infinity, or... Mm -hmm. That's true. It's actually named Shadespire, and then possibly even going for, like, Shadow War Armageddon, or the more popular one now, which... For Kill Team? Kill Team, which... Kill Team is definitely Kill a dangerous game. Because mm -hmm, you would say the terrain at that point has gotten to represent... Yeah, and, it's and the actual game, and it's played without. It's not. It's not a tile-based game. It's free-form movement. Yeah, mm -hmm. and the actual buildings represent the buildings. Yep. Although I guess you could say, when you look at a game like, I don't know, a miniatures game like BattleTech, mm -hmm. uh, they have, they have what hexes, right? So they have some sort of level of abstraction, but, and. And even when you look at, at um, mm -hmm. spaceship combat games, often a sorry, I, I meant to say it's naval combat games, but I actually don't care that much about those. So my brain sets <laughs> filtered that out to say spaceship. Yeah, but spaceship 
battle, spaceship battle games especially, the actual scale, like we've talked about in a previous podcast, is so different. It's obviously some sort of representation, right? It has to be more abstracted. Yeah. So I guess in some ways, there isn't actually maybe a clear line. There's actually this new spaceship game that came out. I don't know if you looked at it, where it's, I believe it's Hexes. Yes. And, and, the, and it comes in a board game like Box. And it comes in a board game like mm-hmm. Box, but it's miniatures. And they move around, I think, hexes and shoot people and other hexes. And it seems to be like sectors. Was it called that, Red Alert or something close to that? I don't remember. Okay. Yeah, but... Um, I remember its name wasn't very fitting for the game either way. Yeah, so with that game, is that a miniatures game? Is that a war game? Is that a... Board game, I know I slid in this extra thing in there, board game, but that to me is, it, it becomes very, very muddy at this point. And, and the way I would think about it is because all of the, all of the um, characteristics of these, these different lineages and different types of games that people have generally done has been more and more been mixing, right? As board games have become super popular and as miniature games have... I guess gotten into board games or miniatures have gone to board games and board games have become the same popular basically. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to board games, like having actual miniatures in the board games has become more popular, maybe because the mm-hmm. production's gotten easier, there's more three D artists out there. That's definitely true. There's factories that are more easily able to produce them. So I guess maybe the, the bar is, yeah. the, the bar for the quality of a board game has gone up to the point where it includes more miniatures as well. Yes. The quality for price is skyrocketed in the mm-hmm. past 10, 15 years. Yep, so it's now sort of become an expectation of the consumer yeah. to get nice-looking miniatures in it. But maybe they're not expected to paint them, and very few people do. Mm-hmm. But so, so what do you think? So I, I guess I've gone through my, my thoughts. Is like It seems like a lineage thing, mm-hmm. and it's become way more messy now as games have started to mix. Like Malifaux has car- like cards in it that are very, very important. Like you playing with cards or playing with a hand and it seems to be a really big thing these days like uh, in um, the uh, Song of Ice and Fire or Song as everyone calls it sure. um, you have a, a deck of cards in your hand like a, a special cards mm-hmm. in your hand that are super important to play and you have a sideboard to activate it in between activating units on an actual which are very, model board which are very board game themed things yeah. to do board which you don't see in Metro's games yeah. very often and why is that a different mechanic than the, the miniatures or war game? Is because you're not modeling an actual the actual board, you're not modeling what these people are supposed to be doing, right? Even if it's abstract, you're moving. They're supposed to be moving on the battlefield. You don't abstract guys politically fighting on the side who somehow affect the battle. All of us in between, like points of the battle. So I guess it's that they're super political and super good at. Like all of the political, like so in, I guess, I guess you could refer to them as like a form of cards almost that are being played. Like they're represented yeah. as a sideboard, but it's basically cards being played. And you're literally playing cards, right? Yep. There's literal cards that you can play to, to have an effect on the game. Mm-hmm. Which. So you don't see that very often in miniatures games. Usually it's got to be the abilities on the players that are on the battlefield mm-hmm. being executed. More often you see it now. Yep. It's becoming. Because it, it's fun. Right? Yeah, it's basically an unknown factor. I think yeah. we've talked about like unknown factors making games just more entertaining because otherwise it's just math versus math. Yeah, so you, you end up having this kind of bluffing uh, ability. You have this unexpected ability where 
uh, your opponent can't know everything that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, I guess, in these traditional war games, um, even though in actual war, the people would never actually know all of the equipment, all of the units, and, and, and characteristics of their enemy in general mm -hmm. before the actual battle, or uh, if you studied enough, or you just look over and ask your opponent what their army is, you have like this bird's eye view and you can see every single type of unit they have in general. So, in miniature, games. so miniatures games, I guess you'd say you actually have to employ real tactics of war in the movement of your figures quite often. But not always. No, like, not look always. at War Machine. It's it's a war game. It act, it doesn't model. Well, I think real. Combat I'd actually seen when I was, I'd actually seen when I was playing War Machine a lot more about people like using the pincer tactic and other sort of flanking tactics. People actually people went into the whole thing of like how to apply real war tactics. It wasn't just about war measuring uh, eleven point nine five inches exactly. Well, well, so you're just in your charge range, but outside of theirs. So that's just becoming good at the tactical level. <laughs> then, then once you've gotten to that level, you're allowed to go to the strategic level. Oh, okay. Yes. So, okay, less important, mm -hmm. but still still useful. Exactly. It's like you're training as a soldier when you're learning to measure in that game. And then to become the general, you have to learn the more overarching tactics. Okay. So obviously that's a full miniature game. But would you say there's like... What games do you think of as just being on the borderline between a miniature game and a board game to sort of like give us a spot to flush out like what might push on one to one, one side. side, yeah, and what pushes it to the other side? Yeah, I think uh, I mentioned the last game that we played significantly is Song. Uh huh. Song of Ice and Fire, yeah. where we, we just you know you have that uh, those cards and though that sideboard, which is definitely a board game mechanic. Like I said, there's no terrain modeling. Seems very abstract. You're yep. literally playing cards that don't represent. And you can't really remove. Well, you can't. You don't really remove the cards by the actions on the battlefield. You just basically bring the stuff from off the battlefield to affect on the battlefield. Or it'll just give a guy a random double movement mm -hmm. because you had that card. Yep. Right. Great mechanic to make it things uh, interesting, mm -hmm. but this was not like a. It's not like a part of the said, battlefield. It's no. not a part of the battlefield. It's just like suddenly this guy gets a random ability, right? Yep. Which is a very gamey mechanic. Yep, so that's, that's very board gameish. That's like right down to the card, like mm -hmm. playing cards level. But then if you look at how... And you, worker placement for the people, I'm yes. saying, which is a, you know, a popular uh, board game mechanic where you're taking your guy and putting it on a random space to prevent the per opponent from being able to place on the same spot. Mm-hmm. That is a work that's a board game mechanic, right? Yep. Sure At the will. same time, it's rank and flank. The other half of the game is all rank and flank, right? It's all traditional it's all positioning, which is yeah, what traditional we medieval uh, mechanics for um, moving armies, right? Mm -hmm. Although the it is range of combat is a bit weird. I would say it's. I would say well, certain miniatures games work different ways with how like the I go, you go versus the integrated turn mechanic, mm -hmm. where game song has I go you go mechanics where something will attack and the other people won't uh, it's, it's alternating action mm -hmm. yeah it's so not, it helps so. a bit so, but when you charge one person it makes the abstraction where they don't fight back until it becomes their turn if they survive which is how a lot of miniatures games work no, that's, that's mm -hmm. alternating activation when yeah. I do my activation mm -hmm. I attack the guy and the other person attacks yep I'm just being pedantic uh, okay alright yeah. Anyhow, I've gotten too soon with you where you get to fight back. It's like, what if they're not <laughs> exactly. fighting back? What, what, 
What, what is this? Right? I know. Yeah. The standard for miniatures games has been raised by that. Either way. Yeah. Yep. So, and you have to balance sort of your ranged forces versus your like holding the line forces. So that, mm -hmm. that part of the game absolutely leans itself towards the miniature one. Also, yeah. how you purchase the game feels very miniature-esque, where it's you have to got to catch them all uh -huh. when they come out with new releases. Mm -hmm. But the initial box is like supposed to be all you need to play the game mm -hmm. and the box full, with two different forces. So at its full very size. Very gamey. Um at a yeah, we at at well, obviously they're gonna tell you buy more. Oh yeah. But it's a lot of models in that main box. It's yes. two significant armies. So when we play we play with the box the sets right out of the box. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely okay, I think it's the lower level of mm -hmm. points value, but yep, but it felt like a full size game. Yeah, and mm -hmm. it's because they have they just give you extra bonus pieces on top that it might not be a super optimized army, but it's enough points to make like thirty something. I think you, you might add one unit to make it a full army. Yep. So on that half that it seems like a board yep. game in that manner because it the whole like the very yep. playable game came in that box, whereas most miniatures games you buy a box, uh -huh. and you're not really playing the game. You're playing half <laughs> yes. the game at most. You're, you're playing a, basically a, a, a tester, or you call it a sample, of the game. Mm -hmm. So it's like, do you like this sample? Well, if you don't like it, you just got a, you bought a whole bunch of miniatures. Yes. But if you like it, buy all these other pieces before you can actually play a real game and feel the full experience, mm -hmm. which is an empty wallet. I guess in miniatures games, like on that note, if you bought something you don't want it, you just kind of can sell miniatures off. Whereas in a board game, you don't really sell off part of your board game ever. That's true. So there's one other thing that kind of makes a board game. So I guess a song of ice and fire. I don't know game. if that's critical though for no. the difference for the board game and the miniatures game. No. Like, how about say, how about when you look at it? I guess <laughs> now we're stretching like all these different things, but uh, you have board games, but you also have card games, and you have collectible card games, in which case you are selling off pieces of your game, yes, you and you won't, you buy one piece, but it's it's not a full game, right? Mm -hmm. You buy a starter, it's apparently the starter for one person, and then the other person has to buy a starter usually. So maybe that's what defines a collectible card game from everything else out there. Like, there's certain card games where you play with what you get. That like makes you, you feel bad you about got. yourself when you just bought <laughs> bought a new set. Mm -hmm. Like, oh look, I bought this these new packs, and now I feel terrible because nothing good came in them. There's a gambling aspect too. Oh yeah, yes, that's, I that's think always, it's yeah. a good aspect. Yeah, so just or, or well, they have all of these living card games where there's no gambling. Mm -hmm. It's just the collecting kind of aspect, but it's still a card game. Mm -hmm. That's yes, card games are more obvious because a miniature game, like literally, you have to have miniatures. Yep. <laughs> so, so but then for a war game, which is like I said, the, the, the older lineage, what happens if you have tokens? For example, for our game, Starpiercer, yep. the last so, few times we've played, or the last not few times, the last few months we've been playing, we've been using tokens instead of the actual ships that we have. Right? Yep. And then maybe even for like the smaller craft, like the fighters or possible future torpedoes, those may always be tokens unless mm -hmm. people choose to like get the upgraded versions. Yeah. So like if you look at mm -hmm. Drop Fleet Commander, the, the tokens for the ships and everything like that, like the the, the fighters, they're all tokens, mm -hmm. they're constantly tokens, and that is still considered a miniature slash uh, well, war game. The fighters they came out with as actual miniatures, they were just pissed. they didn't even come out with fighters for every single faction, so that was no. obviously an afterthought. No, and that was an optional. It's an optional purchase too. Yeah, as well. and I, I was like, this is a fighters for one faction. That's lame. Mm -hmm. And it didn't look alien at all. I know. Yeah, it's terrible.
So, so token stats a big difference. Mm -hmm. If you are into a miniatures war game, the fact that the actual models don't look exactly correct for the faction you're playing that to make it look like a real look like a real battle ar step back. Yeah, army, mm -hmm. uh, then there's something wrong. So maybe actually the difference between a war gamer and a board war games and board games is that war games are played by war gamers who act a certain way and expect a certain thing. They have an and expectation. Board gamers who have a different different expectation. It's like the so the ideal for the miniatures game is no tokens. Beautiful miniatures mm -hmm. on a fully modeled board where the people move around like Free when form. they move around it should be like they're moving around the battlefield. Yep. Right? And I don't mind. But obviously, that. obviously, you can't get to that level. Otherwise, the game becomes possibly insane. What, for spaceships? Well, for spaceships, you can probably for spaceships. Maybe if there's a warp field that changes all the dynamics of and, of length, and you can figure out how to suspend your miniatures on magnets from below the table. Oh, that would be cool. I know. Like that's that's the ultimate. Like that's as a miniature oh game. You're like this and is then what just I want. It. Just push it like that. Oh, that would be awesome. Yes, but obviously there's constraints because reality, budgets, and sanity. Yeah. But I guess the ideal for the miniatures game is take it all that way. Whereas a board game, no one's ever like, "Oh, we should make this more real." Um. Yes, because it's so abstract. Like, how are you gonna? <laughs> what does it mean to be real for? There'd be nothing left of it if for, you tried to. Yeah, like for certain board games, what like abstract board games? Mm -hmm. What does that even mean to be real? Right? I guess one of those things is that yeah, if you're playing settlers, like what are you gonna put on the board to make it more real? A bunch of sand on the sand tiles. God, that would be cool. Rocks on the rock tile. And then, <laughs> and then it's like a super mini city, and then there's mm -hmm. I don't know, mini people that walk around on the tiles. Yeah. I think I think if you had a super blinged out uh Catan that looks like like a city but like Catan tiles and stuff like that, mm -hmm. you would get a very highly rated Instagram post. Would. You would get like thousands at least, I think, depending on how good it is. Depending on who retweeted it. Yeah, you know. I think I think it was a fully modeled one. You'd get you'd get thousands. Yeah, made a little town in every yeah. single spot. Anyways, away with that temptation. <laughs> so, are there any other games you think straddle the line between? Because we went over a few factors for Song of Ice and mm -hmm. Fire, but maybe say Shade Spire. That's no, also, that's a board game. That's a board game. All that's right, a board game for sure. Okay, you want to? So. I guess for some of the factors we talked about before, with Shadespire, well, you can't really expand your faction in Shadespire. You yeah. buy your faction, you have it, and, and whatever you... you're playing with is set. So you're not really continuously expanding. I mean, you can branch but into you, other armies. You can mm -hmm. upgrade your, change your army and customize it, but only with cards, not the actual models. Mm -hmm. And the actual game is very gamey. It's not modeling a real battle. Because nope. maybe kind of it is, but your your victory points are from your deck, and yep. they're random things like grab that object right now, and then suddenly the next one is move over here and hold this thing. The next one is kill that guy, right? And they just yep. come randomly in the deck. So it has the attack mechanics almost of a miniatures game, because it has the dice going on, it has equipment and all that, and the people mm -hmm. have the level of abilities that you would often mm -hmm. see in a miniatures game. But because of the objectives, you would say that it definitely doesn't fall. I think it's not not necessarily like it makes some sense to go and you know you have to defeat this guy mm -hmm. and you have to do this kind of things. Um, but it's the way that you go about getting your objectives mm -hmm. and also making your guys better. So you're saying the abstraction, the how abstract the objectives are, 
just goes to a level where you wouldn't expect in a miniatures game? It's not even an abstraction. It's the way that... Because, uh, you know, kill a guy is mm -hmm. still like a normal... It's not abstract, right? It's, it's the mechanics that you... of how you get them and what you're actually doing. It's very gamey. So your your upgrade cards to make your guys better come in the same deck as your objectives. Yep. Right? So you just draw them randomly, right? So sometimes you might get a whole bunch of like you draw them randomly? Oh I might be this no wait, I don't do you? You have some choice over it. Oh, I haven't played we, it in we haven't so played it. long. We played it long. Oh my enough. god. I believe you keep drawing more though as you get them. No? Oh well. Someone else. You do keep on drawing draw, drawing. Uh, drag, uh, yeah. drawing them. Yes. Um, I don't. It's just the important parts of the game are not war game mechanics, not modeling the battle, mm -hmm. right? So you do have action points where you move the guy, you try and attack them, um, but those are not the stars. That those are not the important things of the game. The important things is is mostly is the most important thing is your hand actually and how mm -hmm. you're playing your hand, which Makes it a card game with miniatures, right? And a board, mm -hmm. in my opinion, right? So the position of the miniatures, the importance of it is a little bit lower. Yeah. It matters because you need to team up and things, things like that. Mm -hmm. But I'd say the positioning on the battlefield is sort of a bit less important, or much less important than you yeah. would see in a miniatures game. So it's basically, <laughs> it's, almost, it's almost like miniatures games mm -hmm. are these things. And yep. if your game is more like this, then it becomes a miniature game. Mm -hmm. But even though it has the figures... Right yeah. out of miniatures games. Yeah. That part doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. If they don't have miniatures, then it's then not it a miniatures totally game. Out. Mm -hmm. Then it can be a war game if you use tokens. If you use all the same mechanics but use tokens, mm -hmm. it can become a war game but not a miniatures game. Okay. And so if you use card game mechanics of things that we have called card games, then it becomes a card game. And those mechanics are very different, right? So that to me is how... I, like I said, it's a historical thing. It's, what do we mean by, by this? It's all of those types of games. What do we mean by these mechanics, right? These are all board game mechanics. And now, in some ways, some games are mixing them so much where half the game is... A board game is, ...is board game mechanics. Half the game is traditionally miniatures game mechanics. And then you're like, oh, I don't know what to call it, mm -hmm. right? If they're both equally important. Okay. So any other games you can think of that sort of straddle the line? Because I guess for those two, we figured they were both miniatures games. No. No? Nope. I said that, from, said that Game Shadespire is not. Oh, yeah. I said that's a board, yeah, game, a board game, and yes. Song is a, is a miniatures game. A, is a miniatures game, yeah. Okay. So any others that fall sort of in between those two that you can think of? I'm having a hard time coming up with. No. No. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I guess... Uh, we talked a, a lot about classification. Why does it even matter? Well, maybe the answer it actually doesn't matter. Who cares? It might matter. Play your game. It might matter in terms of getting new people into it. That's true. And when they see the level of complexity of the miniatures game and the giant wall of products on a miniatures game, they're like, uh -huh. "Oh, I don't know if I'm ready for that sort of thing." Ah, so the problem, the real difference is how hard it is to trick a friend into playing the game with you. <laughs> that could be our defining factor we so decide we, on. So mm -hmm. we really, uh, Magic the Gathering is closer to 40k than 40k is to uh, 
I don't know, some other... It's other Shade Spire, I guess? Shade Spire. Because when people walk into the store and see what it takes to play Magic... They're like, you got to trick them as well. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, you just buy one pack and then yeah. you draft. Yeah, yes. and then you play and everything will be fine. And then we can all play together. Ignore, and then ignore the binders on the wall. Yeah, ignore the fact that I just finished saying that I spent $1,000 on this deck. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get bored of it a little in a little while and going to have to buy another one. Yeah. Well, that's what makes it a collectible card game rather than yeah. a normal card game, possibly. Yeah. But that's not what we... We don't care about those games. We care about games with miniatures. Yeah, we want the version with miniatures. <laughs> where you... Well, yeah. <laughs> so what if we I guess this would be a different topic, but what if random miniatures came in a pack and you just had to buy the game that way? Uh, it costs too much money right now, too. Mm -hmm. So... Maybe it would work. There was actually a random miniatures. There's a whole bunch of them. It was quite popular. Heroclix used to be random. Yeah. But it was prepainted, yeah. right? Yeah. And so so one of the issues with non prepainted ones is you will uh, you get better at painting, right? So this is the issue of having so many parts of your hobby. Is that if you get some super rare <laughs> if you pull some rare draw mm -hmm. that is like you have to you have to buy a hundred packs to get this rare super cool unit. Maybe the unit is a unicorn. Yep. Uh, and then this is but it was the first pack you you drew, and then you painted it when you didn't know how to paint. You okay. You kind of you kind of ruined it, it after you painted a hundred models, and you're like, wow, I can paint so much better now. So it it just disincentivizes people to partake in the other portions of the hobby. So I guess back to the painting, on the painting part, with board games, no one ever expects you to paint the figures. It's just a cool thing if you do, whereas in miniatures games, the expectation is definitely yeah. there to get it painted. Yeah, it's, it's, again, I guess, goes in hand in hand with the fact that you're trying to model real things, right? Yep. You need to look more real. And again, it goes back to the, the history of the game, right? Apparently, people have been painting miniatures forever, so we're going to continue doing it. Yeah, so maybe that is the defining element, that you're trying to model a real battle, so you better be painting it. Like, maybe that is really the defining line mm -hmm. between board game and miniature game. Would you say so? It's, it's like, definitely important. Because I can't think of anything else that, like, the fact that the whole painting that's element the points that's, to that. That's all, where, where all of these uh, historical and whatever things point to when you divide it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say so. Well, why is dice so important? I assume you even not use dice. You can no, use cards. Like, we've seen Malvo uses cards, just the excitement factor feels lower. <laughs> Is it even really a miniatures or a war game? Nope. It's a skirmish card game. Like, you could play rock, paper, scissors, but that, that would get tiring after a while. Yeah, and also, rock, paper, scissors actually takes some level of skill off you from playing it, because mm -hmm. there's psychology. There is. In it. You can probably end up being really good, uh, and you're playing this long game where... You decide uh, odds using rock paper scissors. You could probably prime your opponent by saying things with like mm -hmm. just, it's know, like just talking. It's like a right? low form of poker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So you're priming them with what you're saying to to choose a certain certain thing of rock paper or scissors. Mm -hmm. And you, you keep say, choosing a certain thing. You, you, know, you talk about oh, so I was I was I was trying to smash some some uh, stuff. And are you gonna are you gonna you know or are you gonna stab those guys and, you know mm -hmm. obviously I'm not good at this and I haven't trained at this so I don't know how to do it no. without being super obvious but maybe it'll work but, I don't know but just like you have to learn distances in War Machine before they got rid of that 
-hmm. you would have to like train on the psychology of rock paper scissors for whatever board game needed that knowledge. Yeah, it's it's probably actually really useful. I'm just thinking in general to be to be able to prime people because mm -hmm. so many times it's a very quick way to resolve uh, potential conflicts. Yeah, like a shotgun or something like that in a car. Mm -hmm. So, I'm saying we should probably do that sometime. Okay. Oh no, we're actually too old for that. Now it's just like. Forget it, I'm getting my own car. <laughs> I'm gonna drive. Exactly. So anything else on the note of getting miniatures versus getting board games? Um, how about getting people into it? Now, we no, talked yeah, a little bit about that. Fact, yeah. um, mm -hmm. But why... So I guess with board games, you only need to really own one copy for uh -huh. all your friends. But then when it comes to a miniatures game, you sort of feel like you need to own your own personal army. I think that's more historical, though, mm -hmm. right? If if I went over to someone's house and they had a whole set of different armies and said, hey, let's go play this, right? I'm still playing a miniatures war game, right? Mm -hmm. Just because one person owns all the stuff and painted it all and made it look cool. But it better be painted. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, I guess the rules get more complicated to the point where you put in so much you probably own your own army, but that's kind of just, yeah, you kind it's of a kind of a side effect. So you want to yeah. because you put so much like dedication into it by the time you've learned the rules that go into a minis game. So okay, maybe owning your own army is not absolutely necessary. It's just it's just nice to do. It's just preferred. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do see though that it's a lot seems to be a lot easier for um, for people to get into board games, and I wonder why that is. Is it just the barriers that we talked about? Like the idea that... It all comes in one box. So And and you tell them, oh yeah, you have to paint your own miniatures. Mm -hmm. At which point they see the time commitment. Yeah. And then the other thing is that whole collectible, like super expensive thing. When you tell them, no, no, you don't have to paint your own miniatures. You just have to pay an extra hundred, two hundred dollars to get your miniatures painted. Mm -hmm. Or five hundred or a thousand dollars. Depending on how big you go. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's a problem, and maybe those are the actual barriers. Mm -hmm. So then, is there a is sure. there a way to get around that? Us being miniature game players. So maybe like you bought one giant board game lately, the Japanese themed one. It was oh. expansions. Rising Sun or something. Rising Sun. Mm -hmm. So say something like that, where you've got multiple armies, mm -hmm. and then they have continuous expansions, that if, say, because a game like that takes a fair bit of dedication to play, but you could get a I don't know, because play we've never played it. I know. that Because every single time I bring it out, somehow we don't end up playing it. Because we don't have four hours. Anyway. <laughs> well, you don't know what takes four hours? We've never played it. I know how we play. Anyway. Like a game Maybe like, you're wrong. Maybe it's five hours. But say hours. a game like that for a more dedicated board game, where you've got to sort of learn a bit more before you go into playing it, mm -hmm. that maybe your people will be willing to start painting some of their guys. Like, okay, you don't paint the whole force, but maybe you, paint, you get people to paint the key parts of their force, and slowly and slowly more of it can get painted, because there's nothing. Yeah, but then people think, why am I painting some of it, right? Be well, yeah, but the goal is to paint all of it. You yeah. keep playing it, and you paint That's more of it. That's a lot of dedication you... that most people will not want to do. Uh -huh. And maybe that is one of the selling points of board games. And so I'm just thinking with my board game, I thought about Rising Sun and I thought, oh, maybe I should paint it. And then I thought, well, if I paint one, 
But I have to paint the entire set. It'll look out of place. Or it'll look out of place. And you might scare potential customers off when they think that they need to I'm not to a be... customer, but... Uh-huh. I know that. Oh, do you mean customers are selling the ability like... for it to get on the table so that people will play it? Yes. Fair enough. If people don't feel obliged to paint the game. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, this is how the game looks with bare plastic. Oh, that's okay. But if you start painting it, then there's the expectation. Because, like, when you saw uh, Rising... Have you seen many painted Rising Sun figures? Like, for their no. own advertising? Nope. No. It's like, never see that. Okay. Maybe they're there. Maybe the models are actually decent. Mm -hmm. No, I looked so, at them. They're really nice quality. Well, for a board game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe that's not a way to get people into it, because we never actually see it. But then, I, I do think about... So, so think about Eclipse, though. About, so yeah. say Eclipse. We've played Eclipse with other people before, uh -huh. and that comes with... A big space board game that also that takes more than four hours to play. Yes, exactly. Another one that requires dedication. I see a fair bit more of people painting their factions for that. Really? Yes. Oh. Like when you go on Board Game Geek, uh -huh. when people put pictures of the game up, often they'll have painted their fleets. Maybe, maybe, it's it's, maybe, this barrier, maybe the barrier is way lower because it's not a fully modeled person. Yeah. It's just like a big chunk of metal. So you're like, how badly can I screw this up? Yeah, and, and so mm -hmm. there's an expectation when you paint a person that it kind of looks like a person. Yep. Uh, but when you paint a spaceship... It, yeah, the, the imagination is the limit, so people can't say, oh, that shouldn't that's, be all one color. That's not how they do it in the future in space. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, they all just have, their, everything is just black with three red dots. Mm -hmm. That's what they do in the future. Exactly. Yeah. So maybe that, maybe the barrier there is where you could get people into doing it. So what you're saying is spaceships is a good idea to help get people into it. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is number of models. That you do that you give them yep, to to play because Rising Sun has an intense number, yep. and I think one of the big things I, I don't know if I mentioned this about why Shadespire is a a board game and why uh, Song of Song of Ice and Fire is a miniatures game because Shadespire is played on a super small board, a board game with with tile based movement, yeah, yeah, with tile based movement, and uh, Song of Ice and Fire takes a whole Bringing table, in fact, bigger than your normal table. Yes. You'll have to extend your table to play it. It takes a battlefield <laughs> to, to actually play. Yes, it does. So I think that is uh, an important kind of, I don't know, mm -hmm. what you call it, distinction yeah. between the two. But even though they've abstracted it through the mm -hmm. through movement tray movement, mm -hmm. it's still basically an abstraction they had to make, otherwise the game would be unplayable trying to move that many figures. Well, yeah, in terms of time. Mm -hmm. Although we just talked about board games that take even longer than ours. <laughs> fire, game. yeah. yeah. Um, it's full size even. But this is one thing that we talk about. Maybe that's another way to make uh, miniature games more accessible is shrink down the battlefield. And shrink down the time it takes to play too? Yeah, sure. Just so, like uh, Kill Team. Yeah, so that's, yeah, that's an actual miniatures game. Yeah. But it's short enough. It's modeling yeah. a real... Mm -hmm. Place, even though it's played on a board, but you yep. put on real terrain, and the terrain is actually supposed to be there. And it's not tile-based yeah. movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the people are moving around. So maybe that's what it takes to get board gamers into a miniatures game: just get the scale down to a level where it's not, where a yeah. the time is not unmanageable, and b what it takes to paint the figures isn't unmanageable. Because like the barrier to entry to painting Space Marines, mm -hmm. they're they don't really look like humans. They're nice mm -hmm. figures, but. Yeah. They're not necessarily that human-looking, so the yeah. intimidation factor is lower. 
Uh-huh. That's true. Okay. Um, and then, what was I going to say? Uh, and also, I guess, I was going to say learning the game, but now I think about it. Like, board games are, in general, more complicated. But I played a lot of board games that are just as complicated. Like, we, we just talked about Eclipse. <laughs> oh, for certain, you have to learn a tech tree for that. Yes. It's not. So, so maybe uh, complication in terms of rules, depending on who you go for, uh, is not as big of a thing. Uh, not as big of a barrier from getting people that are into board games into, to, to play war games. Okay, so I think we've sort of branched off into a second topic almost, but mm -hmm. it's, it's a good thing to, to talk about as, as miniatures gamers. Mm -hmm. That's what you're concerned about with the existence of board games almost. Yeah, and board games have, like we said, grown a little, a lot, and we should be able to, as, as miniature gamers, miniature war gamers, be able to take some of that mojo and get a bunch of people to play our games. Yep. All right, well, if you have more thoughts of how to get convert board gamers and what games are good to convert them with. Let yeah. us know. Yep. And uh, this has been Alan. This has been Brandon. Alright, one last thing. Yeah, if you like this podcast and want to hear more, just like us wherever you're listening. Yeah, and if you want to keep track of our uh, work on Starpiercer, go to starpiercer.com or if you're on Facebook, go to our Starpiercer community. So, if... That's basically it. Thank you. <laughs> Bye.